But uh, what I want to do is, man, it is so good to see you guys. I haven't been here in a while, so it's awesome just to be back in the place. Um, I definitely have to thank everybody down at the Shaw campus. We miss and love you so much. Brooke, the girls and I will be back next week, but Tam Brownlee is killing it, I'm sure. Definitely also want to thank all our brothers down at Stepping Into the Light Ministries. We love you guys and everybody at Ackert Park Nursing Home. So we thank you for tuning in. And then, of course, all of our family and friends tuning in from everywhere, uh, locally, uh, abroad, wherever that is. Um, and Pastor Brent said it. He's joining us from home. So I just want to take a moment and just, just really make it clear that I appreciate um, Pastor Brent more than he knows. I'm, him entrusting me with this opportunity does not fall lightly on me, and I thank and appreciate him. He's an amazing leader, uh, and I'm just, I'm thankful. So thank you, brother. Love you very much. Get well soon and return to us. Um, but yeah, let's jump in, uh, because as I was preparing for today, I realized something that maybe you guys have too, but church services are kind of like family reunions. I mean, really stop and think about it. There's a variety of emotions of people gathered together, but one thing you can count on if you're going to the right family reunion, there's always something good to eat. <laughs> like grandma's peach cobbler. Mimi, where you at? <laughs> but today we gather here out of love, like a family, out of a shared sense of unity and belonging. Now, family, I apologize because I possibly got your stomachs rumbling a little bit with that peach cobbler. Uh, but unfortunately, there is no peach cobbler. Um, but I pray that what I prepared today gives you something to chew on. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, as I stand before your people, uh, I humbly come before you, acknowledging that I am merely a vessel in your hands. I surrender myself to you and asking that you see me as the instrument to communicate and speak to your people. Lord, I ask that you remove all traces of me and you align me with you, Father. Fill me in instead with your Holy Spirit that I may be guided by your wisdom, love, and grace. Father, I pray that your divine presence would fill this place and touch your people's heart um, to, receptive, uh, to open ears and receptive minds, Lord God. And we just pray that we would have an encounter with you and you alone, Lord God. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was 2006. I was sitting in the Counseling Center Computer Lab at Santa Monica Community College, and at that time in my life, I had one desire, and that was to transfer to the University of Southern California. I was actively engaged in the process of getting accepted. I just needed to put a couple finishing touches uh, on my transcript with a, a couple of courses, and of course, on that day, that end-of-semester grade report email came out, and I clicked on the link. And what I saw, it crushed my hopes. There it was, the bane of my semester. The one night a week, starting at 6 p.m., three-hour music history class. And of course, it was a requirement for admission to USC. But I saw that one grade that you never, ever, 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 <laughs> Ever, ever, right? <laughs> Want to see. And family, I promise you, it didn't stand for fantastic. <laughs> um, family, I, I sat there, wrecked, staring at the screen thinking, now what? It was a point in my life of massive uncertainty, frustration, 
disappointment, anxiety. And if I'm honest, I was truly angry with myself because I didn't finish the job. In that moment, I was lost as to what my future held. Perhaps some of you are facing the time of uncertainty right now. You don't know what the future holds for you. So some of you might be thinking right now, what if I don't get into my dream school? Am I prepared for the mental and emotional rigors of higher education? Can I even afford my dream school? Others of you may be thinking you're at a stage right now where parenthood presents some uncertainty. Should we have children? Can we have children? Surprise, we're pregnant. Now, how will I balance it all? How will I navigate the balance of career, personal life, and the other things that come with it? Child care, anyone? Should one of us stay at home? How long is that daycare wait list? What about the astronomical cost of daycare? Uncertainty. Some of you may be considering career choices or changes. Will this job even exist in 10 to 20 years based off of how technology is advancing so fast? Maybe you're wondering, is the grass really greener? Have you thought about why you're really considering a career change at all in the first place? Is it due to dissatisfaction? Is it burnout? Is it just a simple desire for new challenges? Uncertainty. There's no shortage of things to concern ourselves with, whether we're navigating financial shortfalls, mental and physical health concerns, relational instability, questions on purpose, and a long list of other challenges that go said and unsaid. These things may keep us up at night, and we're all facing uncertainty in our lives. But if you're facing uncertainty in your life today, you're in good company. Because I want to introduce to some and reintroduce to others someone who experienced some moments of great uncertainty. They were doubted. They were laughed at. But they chose to face uncertainty with big trust and bold faith. And to that end, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is going to be our playground today. We're going to start in verse 4. For context, um, well, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. The Israelites, for context, were on one hill in Judah and the Philistines on another. The Valley of Elah was between them, and this giant was dominating the field. Verse 5, he wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Now, Goliath understood the assignment. He's mocking. He's insulting. He's baiting. He's purposefully agitating his opponent, opponents. He is an equal opportunity offender. He defies the king of Israel. He defies the armies of Israel. And more importantly, he defies the God of Israel. But there's a, another young man in the story that I want us to focus on today. So if Goliath's introduction was like a WWE heavyweight fighter, David's intro was more like a our family reunion Facebook post. 
See, in verse 12, now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Family, Jesse was busy. <laughs> Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, they had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. Welcome to the chat. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with his sheep in Bethlehem. Yes, he did. Now, verses 12 through 15 provided us with the underlying truth about David's family and their view of his significance. David was a good shepherd, just like Drew told us last week. But in that intro, one might think that this scripture was a bit misplaced after meeting and reading about Goliath. Nothing about his height his weight, or prowess in battle. One of these things is not like the other if you're really looking at it. As we keep moving through the text, verses 17 and 18, they tell us how much those closest to David view him. But through it all, David is still obedient, and David knows that God has a greater plan. Verses 17 and 18. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along, and bring back a report on how they're doing. Now, I'm pretty sure Jesse thought that David had picked up a side gig with Instacart. Because seriously, unless God provides the insight, family, friends, and others, they may not see or know what God has in store for you. And that's okay. It really is. It's up to you and you alone to know your true identity in Christ. You got a Michael Jackson lean into total dependence on him. You know, it's like that, it's that, you know. <laughs> but this comes through relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. You won't be surprised that one morning when you need to take a routine trip up the road to deliver some groceries to your brothers and their captain that God has a Goliath-sized problem on your path that you're more than capable of solving because when your steps are ordered by the Lord family, you find out quick, fast, and in a hurry that this moment of uncertainty is a part of a bigger plan to shift the whole trajectory of your life. Now, we're going to jump ahead a little bit because I know about 17 of y'all got brunch plans. Okay, about 19. There's a couple more. So, unappreciated by those who know him best, he started on his journey for the day, running an errand for his dad. David arrives uh, at the battlefield as the Israelite army is en route to their battle positions. He leaves the order with the keeper of supplies, runs to the battle lines because the armies are now off their hills and facing each other in the valley. David greets his brothers, and while they're ungrateful, he begins talking with them. Meanwhile, the Philistine champion, Goliath, steps forward and issues his daily challenge to the Israelites. He had been doing this for 40 days. David hears this, and unlike the terrified Israelites, he continues his path forward. Where others experienced uncertainty and questioned their path, David saw opportunity. See, David's ears perked up just a little bit. He begins to inquire about what will be done for the man who kills Goliath. And he's told that such a man will receive three things. Wealth, the king's daughter in marriage, and his family will be exempted from taxes. So David goes and strikes up a conversation with King Saul. Verse 32. Now, 
don't worry about this Philistine, David said to Paul. I'll go fight him. Now, poor little Saul, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Pro tip, seriously. Divine intervention and power don't mix with doubt. Seriously. Okay, divine intervention and power, thank you, Will, don't mix with doubt. We got to catch that. Seriously, man. But David persisted in verse 34. Everybody say persisted. Persisted. Y'all are good. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, David had that put some respect on my God's name type of energy. David was like, I get it. Your boys are here with you. You need to put on a show, but trust and believe when you fix your lips to defy the one true God, Houston, we have a problem. So let's run it back for ourselves. What does David's response teach us about how to overcome uncertainty in our lives? For all the note takers, let's write this down. Remember your past victories. Be kind to yourself and remind, rewind those mental movies of yours. Replay the past situations and circumstances that God has already brought you through. David remembered his run-in with the lions and the bear. Do yourself a favor, look back and remember that. Those victories that you've experienced are evidence of God's strength within you. Understand that victory in the spiritual realm begins in the mind. When we concentrate on the truth embodied in God's word, it is a no contest. It ensures a victory every single time. Amen? Amen. Let's move to verses 38 and 40. Then Saul uh, gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn these things before. I can't go in these, David protested. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the the valley to fight the Philistine. When you're facing uncertainty, note takers, lean on God's unwavering power. Did you, catch, did you catch it? Like, not your power, not my power. It's not the, let me see what I have to give today. Lean on God's unwavering power. So after rejecting Saul's helmet, armor, and sword, David knew what it was. All I need is my slingshot. I got my staff. And look at what we have here. Won't he do it? Five smooth stones. Okay? Big trust means he's always going to provide for you if you have it. And we're moving. When you're facing uncertainty, we've remembered our past victories. We're leaning on God's unwavering understanding and and his power. So now it's time to anticipate your victory. David and Goliath are facing off in the valley. It's like an old western high noon style type of vibe right there. Verse 43. Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his God. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. See, now David, by this point, he had had enough. I believe that this was the conversation in David's mind that he was having. Now, my daddy has me running errands. 
to check on my ungrateful brothers. The king and his men are all scared. This guy's been jawjacking for 40 days. I still have to get back to the house to tell my dad that his three oldest boys, King Saul and his men, are all shaking in their boots. But buckle up, because we're about to hear David like we've never heard him before. Verses 45 through 48, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Now let me raise that a little bit. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God of Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Now this next verse is a depiction of bold faith in action, family. As Goliath moved closer to attack, what did David do, Bible scholars? David quickly ran out to meet him. And you know how the rest of the story goes. Hand down, man down. Goliath, poor thing. Uh, He didn't even see it coming. And so much for the shield bearer, which kills me, like a nine foot nine, like he got a shield bearer? Like that's, come on, okay, whatever. Um, But what have we learned? David might not have been battle-tested as a military warrior, but he was a shepherd boy and a warrior for the Lord. The youngest and least esteemed in his family, yet he was the one chosen by God to defeat Goliath. This shows that God can use anyone to carry out his purposes. And how about this? I hope you didn't miss this. This wasn't a throwaway line in the text. David had a staff and four more smooth stones. Do you see how God works? The staff and extra stones were just accessories accentuating the truth of our Heavenly Father. David was efficient. He only needed one stone to defeat the Goliath, which means God doesn't need much to do much. Tell your neighbor, anticipate your victory. See, David didn't need a pep talk to get his mind right. David provides a master class when it comes to boldness and action with his faith. David didn't just talk about his faith. He acted upon it by going forward to face Goliath. His boldness in action equates to his faith conquering his fear. The Israelite army, on the other hand, was paralyzed by fear due to Goliath's intimidating size and his 40 days' worth of threats. Those situations will wear you down. However, David didn't focus on the size of his adversary, but the size of his God. See, David understood that he served a big G God. Stop focusing on the perceived size of your problems and focus on the size of your God, family. No matter how overwhelming the circumstances may seem, there is no obstacle too large, no circumstance too menacing. Once you realize that God is sovereign over all, tell yourself to anticipate your victory. Or not. It's cool. I can only tell you what I know. There's a plan in the pain. I've witnessed it and I can testify to his unwavering power. In May of 2009, on a hot, scorching day in downtown Los Angeles, California, in front of Doheny Library on the campus of USC with my family, my girlfriend at the time, who would become my future wife. How you doing? (laughs) God is real. Um, (laughs) She done messed me up. I graduated with a bachelor's in sociology and a minor in communications from my dream school, USC. Yes, it took a little longer, but Roman 828 tells me just like it tells you. All things work together. Yes, sir. All I love you, man. So now, 
I have some questions for you. Where do you need to experience big trust and bold faith in the uncertainty of your life? Where do you need to remember the battles that you've overcome? Where do you need to remember what God has already brought you through? Who was your lion? What was your bear? What Goliaths have you slain? What does your peace look like when you lean on the unwavering power of your heavenly Father? With you, uh, will you tell the Saul in your story that you don't need his army? It doesn't fit. Like, like uh, what's the name? Randy Jackson on American Idol is like, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> like, seriously. God's strength is more sufficient. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we rely on God, he can use our apparent vulnerabilities to showcase his power. Get out of the way and let God show out. What does your life look like when you anticipate your victory in the Lord? Be like David. Stop hoping for victories and expect them. Ultimately, family, the victory over Goliath was not about David's courage or skill. It wasn't a, a lucky shot either. It was about God's power and purpose. Be encouraged, trust God, lean on him, and know that his power is at work in our lives. This also reminds us that every victory we achieve should point back to him and glorify God. Now, what would our church look like if we put our trust in God in the midst of uncertainty that we experience collectively? What does one family look like when we turn back the tape, when, when collectively we remember the battles that we've won? When we celebrate the wins of the kingdom of heaven, what does our peace look like when we lean on the unwavering power of the heavenly father? What does OFC look like when we anticipate our victory in the Lord? I believe that we have every opportunity to triumph when we exercise big trust and bold faith in, t bold faith in times of uncertainty. Amen? Amen? Brother David, could you join me on the stage, please? I think that's amazing that we're talking about David and we have a David. <laughs> look at you. You are something else. Uh, with that... I'd like to share one last thing with you as we prepare to close. In my devotional time, I read the following, and I want to share it with you. So eyes open or closed, and like my guy Mike Gozen always says in our life group, as I read this, I want you to picture your heavenly father sitting right next to you, sharing a quiet moment with you in your ideal quiet time meeting space, and hear him saying to you this, I'm faithful to keep my promises to you. I don't promise an easy life, but I give you my spirit to shepherd you through this life. Life is full of uncertainty, but you can be certain of me. I promise that your salvation is secure in my love and forgiveness. With every temptation, I promise to provide a way out. I promise I will never leave you or forsake you. I promise to return for you. I promise that my word is true and trustworthy. I promise to generously give you wisdom when you ask. I promise to finish the good work I began in you. I am faithful and trustworthy and always keep my promises to my people. Anchor your life in me. I promise you won't regret it. Now with all eyes remaining closed, or if we need to close them, let's go to our Lord and Savior for prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. 
we love you so much, Lord. Right now, we just come to you just looking for opportunities to reevaluate, to turn back the tape, to look at the things and the, the situations that you've put in our path that can help us to understand that you are always faithful. You're unwavering. You have a plan for us. Yes, it may be a little painful, but our scars make us who we are, Lord. So we thank you, Father God, for those opportunities, those trials and tribulations. You haven't given us anything that we can't handle with you right there by our side in the driver's seat. Mm. Come on, God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Lord God, we just love and praise you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.